Welcome to Apostrophe Cast. This episode, we are pleased to present The Triumphant Mutations, excerpted from Lily Wong's forthcoming novel, Evolutionary Revolution, out this July from Le Few Press. From brothers who can wear the same shirt at the same time, to asexual mermen, from sideshow freak stage mothers, to a girl with truly unforgettable thighs, Huang gives us a world that refuses to stay in the safe and comfortable shapes we have come to expect. Please enjoy Lily Huang. Hi, this is Lily Huang, and I'm reading from my novel, The Evolutionary Revolution, which comes out this April from Le Figue Press. Carnival. Her husband never wanted to display their boys like that, but Mama Sylph, she didn't mind. She was a smart woman, always looking for the quickest way to make the most honest buck. Honest was the key word. Mama Sylph was a good Christian woman. She didn't believe in selling her body, or her boy's body for that matter. She was adamant about this, but when the head carney came asking about the Sylph boys, she listened carefully. She told the head carney they were a good Christian family, one who didn't believe in selling their bodies. That was prostitution. But the head carney said he certainly didn't believe in prostitution either, that the carnival was, in its own very special way, a good Christian organization. She had it all wrong. The whole world had it wrong. And it was her duty as a good Christian woman to be understanding. Now Mama Sylph wasn't easily fooled, but she listened as carefully as she could, digressing from the truth with small liberties, until she believed the carnival offered a space to display her boys, her very special boys, as nature's, no God's, artwork. Mama Sylph listened until words like freak and sideshow dissolved. Her boys were unique sculptures, each detail added by God himself, but she didn't let the head carney take her boys away. No, even though they needed the money, Mama Sylph didn't bend. She stayed strong. Years later, months after Papa Sylph injected air into his veins, she reconsiders the carnival. She remembers the way the head carney talked, how his voice was melted sugar, and then... Waterworld a long time ago, long before man walked, the earth was a sphere of solid liquid. Above, the atmosphere existed as it does today, only cleaner, much cleaner. The surface of the water did not splash waves because there was nothing for the water to collide with except air. A long time ago, the ocean was so clear that man flying in the air could see directly through the water, straight to the other side of the planet, except back then, man had horrible vision. Only the rare, exceptional man could even see the surface of the water because her eyes were so small. As such, man was forced to rely on her other senses, such as memory, kindness, and dream interpretation. There was, in fact, a fairly extensive period of time, approximately an era or two before the evolutionary revolution, when man could hardly open her eyelids out of sensitivity to hydrogen. The moment she opened her eyes, they would sear with such ferocity that, as a subspecies, man decided to never use her eyes again. As such, man would flap her little red wings to stay as stationary as possible while friends used strands of hair and mucus to seal the eyes shut. It is said man started using her eyes again when a young girl named Emily heard the song of a merman twinkling from the surface of the water. She'd never dreamt of him before. She had no memory of his voice, but his song contained such sadness that, out of kindness, she pried her eyes open with the tips of her talons, using all the force she could, and from those eyes, she saw deep into the ocean, deep into the most tortured song. Opened Eyes 
Emily's eyes, being unaccustomed to hydrogen, crackled, but she was unafraid. Her eyes, being unaccustomed to wind and sight, automatically barricaded themselves behind moist lids, behind darkness, but she, being the bravest of men, was determined to maintain strength. It is said the merman's song seeped its melody deep into her liver where all impurities are filtered, and the contamination of her body by his song made her pry her eyes open with her toes, and when her eyes opened and she could finally see, she fell deep into the merman's song. It is said she was the first to fall, but this cannot be substantiated. Although she is the first recorded man to be lured by a merman's song, oral stories offer many more examples of men who have ripped cement from their eyes, begging other men to bite off the seal so they could finally see what kind of being created melodies of such penetrating sadness. The day Emily divided the atmosphere, falling freely, hydrogen cutting her freshly opened eyes, she was unafraid. She somehow knew she would survive, that in the water her eyes would no longer hurt, that his song would always be near. And even though she, our young heroine, wasn't frightened, we know better. We know that, she, that even though she's strong and unafraid, she ought to be. Yes, she should have known better, and even now, even now as she's sinking lower than man has sunk since they lived underwater, she should know better than to think she can still be a heroine. But she doesn't. A development of wings. The day Chloe Hankelmeyer woke to find wings on her thighs, two pairs on each leg, a total of eight miniature wings desperately fluttering, she tried to pull them off. The day she woke to find a pair of wings on her legs, neither fully synchronized the movement hectic, she was calm. Sure, she didn't expect to wake up one day and find wings on her legs, and sure wings weren't supposed to sprout like this on her thighs of all places, but she was unruffled. Though she wasn't opposed to the idea of growing wings, she certainly didn't expect them to grow on her thighs. She'd imagined wings would grow someplace elegant, on her back or even her ankles like that Greek god, but still, she was surprisingly calm, and sure, you hear the word wings and you think of something small and sweet like a moth or a butterfly or even a cute little bird. Or conversely, you think of something strong and powerful like an eagle or an angel, but no, not her wings. The day Chloe Hinkelmeyer woke to find wings on her legs... She extended her right hand to touch one of the wings shivering on her in inside thigh. These wings, which just appeared just like that, were something entirely different than what she would have imagined. They didn't have feathers. They barely had skin. They were red and raw. Chloe extended her right hand to touch it. She was sure they would feel like mucus. She was certain they'd feel ugly, have the texture of hideousness. But they were smooth, and they wiggled. Chloe Hinkelmeyer closed her right, then her left hand around the small wings attached to the inside of her thigh and tightened her grip. She closed first her right eye, then her left, blinking deeply, clamped her jaw, and pulled. Hard. The day she woke to find wings on her thighs, she learned these wings were most certainly attached to her. She couldn't remove them by pulling. She considered a saw some scissors, a wrench. Of course, she couldn't really endure the pain of a saw and scissors seemed inhumane, and the wrench, well, what could she possibly do with the wrench to remove an excess of wings? That day she woke, she quickly learned she couldn't walk with these four wings scraping each other on the insides of her thighs. She learned she couldn't wear tight pants. She couldn't, in fact, wear any pants at all. But she learned to control their movement by blinking to her heartbeat.
The day she woke to find wings on her thighs, she thought she would be able to fly. After she relearned how to walk, she climbed to the top of her tussled bed and saw how dirty her apartment was, but she ignored it. She ignored the room, the sound, her insecurity, the movement of her heart beating more quickly with more spirit. She stood on the top of her bed that day she woke to find wings on her thighs, and she knew if she only tried hard enough, she would be able to fly. And so she jumped, and upon jumping, she knew something wasn't quite right. During her momentary journey down to the ground, she quickly learned how wrong she was. She learned that the Creator created without any sense of utility or function. She learned that sometimes, people wake from long nights to find appendages that do absolutely nothing. Two-Headed Boy There's a song about a two-headed boy, but it's not about Elliot and Sylvester Sill, even though Elliot thinks it is. Of course, Sylvester disagrees. Elliot romanticizes the love story how people like them can have girlfriends. Sylvester argues this particular two-headed boy is imprisoned in a freaking jar, showcased as a freak. Elliot says, how's that any different than us? Sylvester says, Elliot, you're my best friend, my brother, my twin, and you're attached to me, and I just can't understand how the hell you're so fucking stupid. Elliot says, okay, so we're not stuck in a jar, but we're stuck in a carnival, so how's that any different, really? We may as well be stuck in a jar, Sly. We may as well be dead. Sylvester says nothing. Elliot realizes he's just made his brother's point for him. The Heroine Once, there was a beautiful girl with a face completely askew. Her eyes are set too close together, and when she was smaller, she wanted to wear glasses, but no pair of glasses would stay in her nose at being so flat. This, of course, is hardly a problem because she doesn't need to wear glasses. Her vision is perfect, but it's the potentiality of one day needing glasses, glasses that would simply refuse to fit her face, that makes her sad. Her lips are bubblegum pink, the color of bubblicious or other, some other kind of bubblegum-flavored gum. It's a color that only comes from tubes or candy, but for her, it's natural, and its naturalness is disturbing. It's breathtaking. She's beautiful, and when she speaks, it's soft. When she speaks, people bend lower and lower to her bubblegum mouth to hear her words. When she speaks, you expect to smell that bubblegum saturated right into her words. When she speaks, she covers her mouth, embarrassed to the sound she makes. She does this, and it's wonderful. She laughs, and people stop moving. The Real Mermen Mermen aren't as contemporary people think of them. Through a complex series of bastardized fairy tales, many conceive of mermen as cute, cuddly, half-men, half-fish. This is simply not true. Mermen live underwater. This is about as much as they have in common with modern notions of mermen. Real mermen do not have scales or elaborate iridescent tails, and they certainly don't use these non-existent tails to flitter around the ocean singing sweet little merman songs. There is nothing precious about mermen. They don't have flowing golden locks. And as for the most common misconception, there are no merwomen or mermaids if you prefer the romanticized term. They don't exist. All mermen are called mermen, and they are at once both male and female and neither. They have sex organs, but don't use them. 
Now, mermen do indeed sing songs, but they're not sweet songs. They don't soothe or relax. No, mermen use their songs as bait to catch men. Most often, these men are killed and eaten, or tortured, killed, and eaten, or some combination of that sort. The songs the mermen sing are deep and voluptuous, the way sound was intended to be heard, the way sound is never heard anymore. Because the merman song was so hypnotic, it is said the Evolution Council eradicated the bodily structures that could, cre that could create that wavelength of sound. But mermen are resilient, and it did not take long for them to find substitutes in their own bodies to make songs deeper than movement, fuller than knowledge, to lure men from the skies and into their ocean. It did not take long before just one man fell. After the first man fell, and the mermen continued their call upward into the atmosphere, men began to fall as if their little red wings could no longer hold a weight so burdened. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please join us next episode for David Goodwillie.